0: Don't wait. Visit Sono com slash save. Sono Bello.com slash save. Sono Bello.com slash save.
1: All in radio.
2: Welcome to the X Zone. Welcome back, everyone. This is the X-Zone. I am Rob McConnell, coming to you from our broadcast center and studios in Crystal Beach, Ontario, Canada. If you'd like to send me an email, x at dot on all social media sites, x Radio TV. And uh, for all the news that's happening within the X-Zone and with the X-Zone Nation, visit x com For the X-Zone TV channel, 724-365, exclusive to TV. Visit TV. ExoNation, my guest this hour is Greg Lawson, and we're going to be talking to Greg about his most recent book that is entitled Roswell, The After Action Report. Now, Greg Lawson has spent much of his adult life exploring strange places. From the first Russian colony in Three Saints Bay, Alaska, to the pyramids of Egypt, he has explored paranormal hotspots in over 40 countries. He is a career law enforcement officer with over 30 years of experience and currently serves as a patrol lieutenant. Previously, he worked as a hostage negotiator, SWAT officer, mental health investigator, academy instructor, and as a sex crimes and homicide detective. He is also a 10-year military veteran and lifetime member of the Veterans of Foreign Wars. Greg has a master's degree in education from Texas State University, where he studied complex adaptive human systems. He is also specializing in investigative procedures and teaches these skills to Texas law enforcement officers and paranormal investigators. Now, Greg is an international lecturer and author of seven books, three addressing the paranormal. First one is How to Be a Paranormal Detective and Diaries of a Paranormalist. His latest book that we're going to be discussing this hour is Roswell the After Action Report. And Greg Lawson, welcome to the Exxon.
3: Thanks, Rob. Thanks a lot for having me. Ah, uh,
2: my gosh. First of all, thank you for your service. Yeah, thank you. And uh, what was it that brought you from law enforcement to the paranormal?
3: Uh, it might have been actually in reverse. Ah. I, I was I was probably in in uh, the paranormal before I was actually in law enforcement. My brother uh, he was um, 12 years older than I. And so when he was 17, I was five. He'd throw me on his motorcycle and take me riding around uh, doing basically urban exploration and looking at uh, spooky buildings mm-hmm. and cemeteries and, and basically just uh, scaring the... Uh, Bejesus. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so in turn, you know, when I got in uh, elementary school, junior high school, high school, that's what I did mm-hmm. with my friends because, you know, it's it, it's passed down. Uh, through the generations, I guess.
2: So tell yeah. me, tell me about your your interest in Roswell.
3: So, um, y- you know, when I was a when I was a kid, mm-hmm. uh, uh, living next door, I had a F uh, four pilot uh, out of Bergstrom Air Force Base uh, right outside of Austin. He lived next door to us. And I was always fascinated by this guy. He'd come home with all of his pilot gear on and everything, you know, and I'd go over and talk with him a little bit. And uh, and at that time, also, they were launching a whole lot of weather balloons back then. And, and back then, you know, there were these big, shiny disks floating way, way, way up in the sky. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you didn't know what they were, they looked, you know, extremely strange. And sometimes they were moving pretty fast. And uh, so I, I just kind of got into uh, sci-fi and, and, and all that stuff. And when um, the Unsolved Mysteries episode came out around 89, 90, something like that, um, I watched that. And that's what really spurred my interest in Roswell. Now, I was, you know, Star Trek. My uh, my pseudo father was James T. Kirk every uh you know, every weekday at uh, three thirty, I would run home and uh, and watch what uh, you know Star Trek was doing. Sure. And uh, and so I, I was I was interested in all that stuff, and uh, that really spurred my interest uh, in, in uh, '89 or so. And uh, and and the the funny thing is is I I had been in the army prior to that, so I went in the army uh, in '82. And I, I served up in Alaska, and I was uh, out of Fort Bragg at the 82nd uh, Airborne Division, and uh, I was down in Central America and over in uh, in the Middle East. But when I was up in Alaska, um, I saw quite a few satellites. Now, this is you know 1983, mm-hmm. 84, so there weren't a lot of satellites to see. So when you saw something in the sky, it was it was fairly unusual. So anyway, that's that's pretty much what spurred me is is uh, when when the show came out with Roswell, there's an actual crashed vehicle uh, that they've recovered uh, and taken someplace and hidden away and, you know, covered up and the whole thing. So I was I was absolutely intrigued by it.
2: So what do you think happened at Roswell, New Mexico? <laughs>
3: Uh, that's a whole can of worms right there. Wow. Um, let's see. In uh, in 1947, mm-hmm. uh, there was a, uh, a some material that uh, impacted the ground out there. I'm not sure what the velocity was, right. and uh, a rancher found it and referred to the Roswell Army Airfield. Uh, intelligence people went out and gathered it up, uh, went back, and then did a press release. In the press release, it kind of contradicts what the intelligence people actually said. You know, they 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 describe collecting debris, but in the uh, in the press release, you know, they they recovered a disc, mm-hmm. a flying disc. Now that that's a hell of a thing for a commander of a very important uh, nuclear capable base to say, Colonel Blanchard, uh, presumably approved. The uh, uh, the press release, Uh, especially back then, it's it's back then it was almost, uh, you know, we talk about micromanaging now. Well, everything went across the skipper's desk, (laughs) you know, in 1947, nothing, nothing came out. Sure. So presumably Colonel Blanchard, who was in charge of the base, uh, in charge of the 509th bomb wing, delivering nuclear weapons, released this, that they had, uh, uh, you know, recovered a flying disk. Uh, in turn, as all newspaper reporters shall do, they will take your words and they will twist them <laughs> and they will make it much more interesting. So they uh, turned it into, you know, the uh, the Roswell Army Airfield captures a flying saucer and releases that. And of course, General Ramey uh, in the chain of command of Colonel Blanchard, General ramey's in Fort Worth. He uh, gets wind of this. And immediately uh, does his own press release and flies uh, Jesse Marcel, who was the gentleman that uh, was sent out to collect the debris at the mm-hmm. Foster Ranch, sends him, uh, Colonel Blanchard sends him to uh, Fort Worth, meets with Roger Ramey, and they do a press release. And uh, in that press release, they do some photographs, and they photograph uh, all of them with these, uh, what, this weather balloon material. Um, So when you ask, what do I believe? Mm -hmm. Um, The the one real kicker is I absolutely believe that that was weather balloon material that they took pictures of. Uh, And I believe that that material would logically have been the the material that Jesse Marcel brought to them would have been replaced because that material would Potentially uh, um, uh, have state secrets as far as their design or or whatever it is. So it would make sense that you mm-hmm. would swap out that material. But uh, do you, especially when the Soviets are watching all this,
2: exactly. But do you believe that the the object that crashed in Roswell, going back to 1947, was actually a UFO from another planet?
3: Um. You you know I want to believe. So do <laughs> I. That's why I do put the shuffle. Yeah. And uh, my, my problem is is uh, there's been a whole lot mm-hmm. of people that have done a ton of research, have done a ton of uh, interviews, investigations. Um, they've turned over every rock and you know everything. Yeah. Um. Some of this. Uh, they did a uh, a not so good of a job qualifying their witnesses. So they had witnesses coming in that were giving very extravagant stories of what happened. Uh, the problem with that is 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 many of these witnesses were proven not to be credible, mm-hmm. uh, and most of this information was gathered after after you know the uh, the actual TV show in in '89 '90. Uh, and certainly after 1978, when Stanton Freeman uh, interviewed Jesse Marcel and, and kind of cracked this egg open, reopened the the chapter of this. Um, so, you know, I, I've, I've talked to a lot of people and and you know this. Uh, actually, you and I have talked about this before. Yes, we have. Yeah. You, you dig off into Roswell, just get ready for the sticks and stones to fly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just, uh, it is a very vicious group of uh, detractors out there that want to uh, either shut you up or yeah. argue with you or, you know, you spell Don Schmidt's name wrong. You know, <laughs> you're, you're, you're an idiot. <laughs> like, hey, Greg, okay. you, and,
2: you and I have to take our first break. Please stand okay. by. Great talking to you again. And explanation, if you'd like to find out more about our, our guest this hour, Greg Lawson, visit his website at www.detective.com. I believe that's the. Web. No, it's. Greg, is it the paranormal detective?
3: Yeah, it's uh, theparanormaldetective.com.
2: Ah, because somebody underlined detective.com. All right, Craig, stand by. We'll take a break, and hopefully, neither one of us will be abducted by aliens. We should be back on the other side. Don't go away.
0: Don't wait. Visit sono dot slash save. Sonobello. dot slash save. Sonobello. dot slash save.
1: Lady love.
2: Greg Lawson is my special guest this hour, Exonation. Nation. We're talking uh, to Greg about his latest book, Roswell, The After Action Report. His website is theparanormaldetective.com. You know, Greg, you and I, I'm an ex-cop, you're an active cop, you're a lieutenant. Uh, one thing that, in my opinion, really throws the entire Roswell case out is when Jesse Marcel has evidence that he collected at a suspected crash site, it's debris. Instead of bringing it right back to the base to maintain the the integrity of the chain of evidence, what does he do? He brings it home, lets his kid play with it, and then brings it to the airbase. Now, if you did that as a lieutenant, taking evidence from a crash site to your home to let whoever play with it, and then to the station what would happen to that
3: evidence most likely uh it would probably be excluded they probably wouldn't uh, allow it into evidence if let's say it was uh something that didn't have anything to do with forensics let's say it was uh um a uh uh, 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 an engine part right Uh, uh it was uh uh, stolen somebody stole somebody's engine out of their car believe mm-hmm. it or not that happens <laughs> and so uh, let, let, let's say it's uh, uh you know I didn't feel like going all the way to the you know my substation to yeah. drop it off it was late and I just went you know what I, I, this is an engine block I'm just gonna leave it in the back of my uh, my pickup truck and and park it in the front right. yard and I'll take it in tomorrow Um. Depending on the serial numbers and that sort of stuff, that's going to be really suspect. But they might still allow that because there's no forensic examination of this thing. Mm-hmm. But it's going to be really squirrely, and most likely, I'm going to be removed from my job. Right. <laughs> but, but
2: let's let's say that <laughs> that you you responded with the uh, uh, the what is it in the states is it the TSA? No, uh, that's up here in Canada. The 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 uh, the FAA that send out investigators to crash scenes. Okay. Yeah. If right. an investigator took part of an aircraft crash home and let his kids play with it, yeah, and he would then, get fired. Yeah. So why does everybody high uh, put, you know, Jesse Marcel on a platform as this great guy if he in fact broke the rules? And it seems that everybody's willing to put that aside.
3: I guess because in 1947 we were cavemen and we didn't know any better. <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, it was it was highly unusual, you know. And 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 uh, I'll say this uh, again: we're we're judging this on contemporary standards of knowing that possibly things like that could have radiation on mm-hmm. it if it's a, you know, I'm I'm using air quotes. If it was sure. a spaceship from another planet, it could have microbes on it. Yep. It could have, uh, you know, radiation on it. Uh, it could have w- whatever it could be a contaminant. Just the material itself mm-hmm. could be a contaminant to human beings. And to bring it home, and like you said, you know, play around with it on the floor. Uh, that's. Co- I mean, that's that's way out there. Yeah. But I'm I'm also thinking, um, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, bonding with your son. You know, look at the. I'm going to share the coolest thing extraterrestrial thing uh, amazing thing but my i'm gonna i'm gonna follow up your uh observation on that with my observation of uh when the air force decided that they would uh answer you know a congressman's request to, to open this case up and and determine what happened uh these air force investigators uh go and talk to uh colonel uh, Ah, uh, Cavett, which he was the he was the captain, the uh, counterintelligence officer that went out with Jesse Marcel to the Foster Ranch to recover the material. He he initially, of course, denied everything. He was good through the whole thing. He was pure Mister Counterintelligence through the whole thing. Just kept screwing it up and stirring it up, and <laughs> and so the uh, when the, when the Air Force uh, investigators in in the in 1994, I believe it, yeah, 94, uh, go in and talk with him. Um, he's kind of denying everything, and his wife is there. And his wife says, no, 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 remember when we had that barbecue? And and Jesse was over here, and he took that material, and he put it in the barbecue, and it wouldn't even burn? And Kevin's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what's crazy about that is the Air Force investigators never batted an eye. They didn't even consider it. They just kept along with their line of questioning and didn't even get detract- distracted by the fact that Jesse Marcel had a piece of this material, apparently in his pocket, I guess. Maybe it was out in the car. I don't know. And he went and got it and tried to burn it in their barbecue. Um, that right there tells me two things. We could go down your line of thinking of what in the world is Jesse Marcel thinking. Mm-hmm. What is he doing? How incompetent is this guy to, to to do this? But also down my line of thinking, when you are an investigator, you're there to glean additional information a lot of times an investigator doesn't even know the questions to ask that's right they're just having a conversation and but they're having it in a way to where they're gleaning information or get getting more information
0: mm-hmm.
3: here they are in the middle of you know a very controversial uh, situation and they have a eyewitness to the material Cavett's wife says that they're playing around with it in the barbecue and trying to burn it, and they don't even go, really? Well, you know, what happened? They don't even go down a line of questioning at all. They just kind of shut her down and just stay on their track. And that was uh, something really interesting to me. I've been asked, I don't know, 20 times or something, why in the world would you write another book about Roswell? It's done, man. What are you doing? (laughs) You know, you, you kick it a dead horse. Um, there's more to find out and there's more to look at, especially as we evolve as investigators. Um, back then, you know, w- when you you wouldn't have said, well, let's get a 911 9-1 wall, 911 forensic call an- analyst in here to analyze a, the call. Right. You know, because we didn't have 911 yeah. and nobody was thinking about analyzing people's inflections uh, on a recording. Uh, So we have written statement now, we have forensic statement analysis, we have 911 call uh, forensic analysis, we have these other things. And when you apply these other things to the Air Force investigation, there are just nothing but red flags just popping left and right. Is
2: it possible that, like the minority of Roswell investigators, believe that this was nothing more than Project Mogul, a top secret Cold War listening device that was was just there it crashed it was this flight bang nothing more than a sophisticated listening device that fell
3: so that would be easy to swallow it makes sense right Mm -hmm. if it if it's mogul and if they're using any kind of uh, new material that would be unfamiliar to what uh, jesse marcel and cabot would have known as balloon material they're using something else, mm-hmm. uh, and it's designed in a different way, and the material, whatever, in, in kind of triction. But these are intelligence officers and counterintelligence officers. I'm pretty sure they know the difference between a balloon and an extraterrestrial spacecraft. Um, and, and that is one of the things that, that really bothers me about it, is how in the world did we make this huge leap? uh, in, in going from, wow, here's a, a weather balloon here to mogul. Now, if, if you did, if it was mogul, mm-hmm. it was just something unusual, some balloons, uh, some radar targets, some other material that's hanging off of it, maybe a black box that, that there's another thing Sheridan Cavett talk mentions a black box and nobody follows up on it. When I'm an investigator, if somebody says, Oh yeah. And there was this black box. I'd be like, okay, stop what we're doing. What are you talking about? I haven't heard this from anybody else. What are you talking about?
2: But this into the second investigation going back to 1995. Right. Could it be that they had all the answers and it was just like, all right, let's get this investigation done. Let's get the times, the days, the witnesses. Let's just get this done again. Absolutely.
3: And the thing about it is, is um, being the Air Force. Mm hmm. Uh, l- let's say, uh, all right, um, oh, what's that, uh, uh I'm not giving a good example, the Beretta, uh, he was on the TV show, I forget what the actor's name was.
2: Oh, Peter uh, Falk. Peter who? Not, not
3: Peter Falk. No, 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 that's the Columbo. That's uh, Columbo. Anyway, Beretta kills right. his wife, right? Yeah. Everybody says he kills his wife. Well, let, let's get Beretta to conduct his investigation on this case. <laughs> It <laughs> makes no damn sense. So yeah, you, you're you're suspecting the Air Force has done something hinky. So you hire the Air Force to investigate themselves. Does that not makes, makes no sense, sense without a, a Dr. Heinick uh, in tow. All right, right,
2: listen, listen, Greg. You and I have to take our break at the bottom okay. of the hour for the news. Please stand by. Great talking to you. And Exo Nation, uh, Greg Lawson is our guest. His latest book is entitled Roswell: The After Action Report. And his website is www.theparanormaldetective.com. And we'll be back on the other side of this break as we continue here in the X Zone from our broadcast center and studios in Crystal Beach, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. Welcome back. Greg Lawson is my special guest this hour. His website is www.theparanormaldetective.com. And, uh, Greg, not, let's just wrap up Roswell here because there's so much more to you than just uh, this Roswell case.
3: Um, your final thoughts. My final thoughts. All right. Um, we kind of left off with, uh, uh, you know, the Air Force is just kind of shrugging yeah. their shoulders, going, Oh, my God, you're wasting mm-hmm. my time. Um, I have better things to do than to answer these silly questions about, you know, somebody thought a spaceship crashed and here's here's the weather balloon and that's right. it. Um, Colonel Weaver, that I, uh, authored the uh, Roswell report, actually wrote a, uh, um, a book last year. It's called Backstory Roswell. And one of the amazing things that he wrote in there was, a, I, I quote him, clearly, we had to do better than a snarky but true response in order to answer the congressman's questions however goofy it was So, from the very beginning you know they were they were just like we're just gonna just go through the paces and just put something out there and the problem is is they had a responsibility to conduct a proper and fair investigation and follow the, like you said, the chain of evidence right. Follow the evidence and situation And they absolutely Abjectly did not do that And that's that's my big problem With it is, okay uh, Mogul That That's fine, what about these Other questions, you know, what about These other things and the way that they Led their investigation By basically Tainting the witness pool and, and Picking specific people Only and then briefing them before they would ask them questions just to agree with what the Air Force was going to say, uh, all of that would have gotten kicked out of court. Every bit of their testimony would have been just
2: quashed. But let's just look at the the example I gave with Jesse Marcel breaking the chain of evidence. Using him as a witness tainted the investigation as well. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah.
3: Okay, let's yeah, talk it's a mess.
2: Let's. Uh, here's a quick question. What do you think about the TikTok uh, video footage?
3: All right. So I was uh, actually an operations specialist on Nimitz, and that air wing was actually flying off of Nimitz when oh, wow. they uh, when they did that. Um, it, that is a really, really interesting and fun thing to watch. I, I love it when um, you know pilots have a uh, um, a eyes self portrayal of themselves, you know, there, but they need to be like that. They need to be very, uh, assertive and secure in what they do. Cause what they do is terrifying. Uh, you know, launching off of an aircraft carrier mm-hmm. and landing and, and actually engaging enemy and bombing and all that stuff. It's terrifying stuff. So these guys deserve every bit of testosterone they have. Um, when you're looking at that video, it, it's, it, it's really great. Uh, there, there's no heat signatures off of it um and and watching it maneuver around. Something that you have to look at in that. And and I'm unable to do that because I don't have the raw video footage. Right. Uh, but uh I I am very good at a mathematical um theory of trigonometry because that's what I did in the military and that's how what I did in in you know for navigation. And so When you're in an aircraft and you're flying 400 miles an hour and if something is stationary and you're filming it, the background will look like it's moving by and it will make that stationary object look like it's moving very fast. So without, you know, studying that video and throwing some uh, trig in there Mm -hmm. and working out some problems, you'd be able to figure out how fast that uh, the Tic Tac quotes Um, would be traveling and without having that stuff, it's, it's kind of just cool. You know, it's a, it's a great video, something obviously unusual, uh, something that would, um, trick seasoned combat pilots. But at night it's really, really hard to, um, to figure out up from down and how fast you're going and what angles are, are happening. Uh, without really slowing that thing down and getting into a lot of math, wouldn't the ship's
2: radar systems be able to help with the uh, with the uh, configuration or the or the tracking of the object itself?
3: It depends on how big it was uh, and whether they were getting a uh, actual return. signature off of. Yeah. Um, so when I was on Nimitz, we had um, uh, the primary air radar uh, we operated off of. I think was a forty nine. Um, anyway, there, we, we had, uh, several different radars and mm-hmm. there's one of them. It looks like a big, like a giant ping pong table. It's right. a big square black thing that spins around. Um, and that, that was our air detection, our primary air detection and tracking radar. Um, and I'm, I'm ashamed, but it's been 30 years. So I, I forget exactly what the, uh, what the nomenclature of it is. But anyway, um, yeah, you can you can actually stop that radar from rotating. You can concentrate on objects. You can uh, do all kinds of stuff with it. And so, depending on how small it was, you know, if it, if it was the size of a football, probably not. If it was the size of a human being, maybe. Um, and yeah, you know, you have to have the radar tuned properly, also. Yeah. Because you can uh, you can get a lot of a lot of. Uh, Noise in there when you're searching for something like that, and depending on the background, it's it's tricky.
2: Let me ask you a question, and and then I'd like to talk to you more about your the other aspects of the great work you do, Greg. How did you find the the Pentagon the Pentagon's response to the release of this video?
3: So I uh, I find it interesting um, that they're giving more credence to some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. You, you still have the same guys that are shrugging their shoulders, um, and are, are looking at it more along the lines of, is this, an, uh, you know, mm-hmm. a threat to national intelligence? Uh, if it's not, why are we spending any more time with this? Um, but you know, I, I, I keep my fingers crossed and, uh, you know, um, I think it would make the world a lot more interesting if, uh, they were beings from another planet or some, something, uh, somehow visiting us to communicate. Uh, and you know, there's a lot of people that think that they're setting us up for disclosure. Um, and it'll be really interesting cause, uh, like me, me writing a book like, uh, Roswell, mm-hmm. um, I'm the only one that has anything to lose out of this deal, <laughs> you know, because All you have to do is say, it was a spaceship. The aliens and the spaceship are being kept at uh, Wright-Patterson. And, uh, you know, we we just got to get full disclosure and get them to release it. And you can live your whole life like that and die and nobody knows any better. But the only people that uh, are going to lose out of it are the people that say there's not a spaceship. This was nothing but more than a a weather balloon or a mobile balloon. And those are the people that can really lose out of the deal and look foolish because um you know they're the only ones that are going to be proven wrong if if the spaceship comes out so
2: mind you on the other side of the coin they could be proven right if in fact in time it is proven that it wasn't a spacecraft that crashed at roswell
3: right um But they can always say, well, yeah, but there are other spaceships out there that we just haven't, you know, there's always that argument of uh, the absence of evidence does not equate the evidence of absence.
2: Well said, like a true law (laughs) enforcement officer. Um, On your website, you're also considered a ghost hunter.
3: Yeah, yeah.
2: Tell me about that. uh, All
3: right, so um, because of my interest in... uh, legendary haunted places mm-hmm. i go to a lot of different places whenever i was in the military i would do that also whenever we would travel somewhere and we had a couple of days off or whatever i would always uh, try to get away from the sailors try to get away from the, the uh, uh, soldiers and mm-hmm. get off into the um, the thick of it and uh, and go look at some of the crazy weird you know legends of wherever we were so, in doing that i didn't I didn't know it was a thing. It was just something I was interested in. I know there you know people who tell stories and and, and all that um, and what uh, 15, 20 years ago, something like that, they started coming out with some ghost shows, and all of a yeah. sudden, there's ghost hunters and there's ghost adventures, and there's all kinds of stuff going on.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: um and I started getting contacted by people uh, to do particular investigations or just kind of uh, listen to what they had to say and 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 kind of walk them through a, a logical process of figuring out whatever it was that was happening to them. So in doing that in in law enforcement um I you know just really delved off into it and really uh, liked it a lot and uh, so I started writing about it and and uh, and watching a lot of you know we had talked about this as far as the difference between a um, a person that just watches a Colombo TV show right. to a person that uh, does puzzles to a person that's a you know a, a, a hobbyist that kind of goes out and does a little research. By, by the way, you you, you just joggled
2: my mind, Robert Blake.
3: Right? Okay, yeah, Robert Blake.
2: Right? There you go. Hey, listen, we've got to right. take our, our final break. Sure. Please stand by, Greg. It's great talking to you, and uh, I want to congratulate you on on another book uh, that I'm sure is going to open a lot of eyes and get people scratching their heads. And that's exactly what this uh, what this topic needs is more questions, more questions asked, better investigations with people who know how to con- how to conduct proper investigations. Greg Lawson's our guest. His website is theparanormaldetective.com, and we're talking to um, to Greg this hour, mostly about his new book Roswell: The After Action Report. And we'll be back as we wrap up this hour here in the X Zone from our broadcast center and studios in Crystal Beach, Ontario, Canada. I'm Rob McConnell. Don't go away. Welcome back, everyone. Greg Lawson is my special guest. His website is www.theparanormaldetective.com. And first of all, Greg, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. And thank you so much for your service as a member of the military and for your service as a law enforcement officer.
3: It's been my pleasure, Rob. Thank you.
2: Okay, tell me about ghost hunting. And is there a difference between investigating ghosts, investigating cryptids, investigating UFOs?
3: (laughs) All right, so... Um, investigating ghost. People ask me, you know, so you're a ghost hunter. And then I have other people saying you're a ufologist. And I have you, you know, I I teach a a class called cryptid crimes. And, uh, you know, I'm like, so my specialty is an understanding of proper investigation. My specialty is an understanding of proper handling of evidence and gathering of testimony. Right. So, whether you're investigating an insurance fraud case or a homicide case or a cryptid case, or, you know, a, a UFO case, right. if you stay within your lanes uh, and pay attention to what you're doing, uh, all of them can kind of be treated the same way. And, and that's one thing about a lot of the investigators of uh, Roswell started off as hobbyists, but 30 years later, they're pretty solid investigators. Mm-hmm. They have a lot of experience interviewing a lot of people. And what gives you really good experience is utter failure. <laughs> so when, when you really screw something up, um, that you take that and you, uh, you know, you debrief it and you try to break it apart and go, Oh my God, what did I do here? How do I make sure this never happens again? And that's why I called it Roswell, the after action report after-action report is what the military does and what some law enforcement agencies do after they have a training exercise or some sort of operation they will go back in debrief it and then someone will write the after-action report identifying the things that they screwed up on the things that worked well and the lessons learned out of it so that's why I have written this thing
2: you know working in law enforcement do you get a lot of criticism for investigating the paranormal do you get a lot of joking from your uh... From your fellow members in the club,
3: oh yeah, yeah. My uh, my uh, office from time to time, the things just appear, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, you know, a Loch Ness monster or a you know a, a monkey paw or you know just wh- whatever weird uh, thing somebody's found, and 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 it's really funny because uh, I have a lot of uh, um, uh, guys that are very very serious about being police officers, and they and they view me as uh, not taking it as serious, uh, but they've never worked child abuse. So until they can work child abuse, you have to find yeah. some sort of a distraction and some sort of coping mechanism that doesn't drive you insane and, and you know, uh, send you down the PTSD uh, tube shoot yeah. uh, and, and be on all kinds of meds and everything. So there's other things that you should have in your life other than just, you know that you know when... so yeah absolutely and i you know and and, and to say i got those guys that mm-hmm. um uh it'll come up and say oh yeah you know uh lieutenant lawson he he investigates uh, ghosts and stuff he travels all over the place and looks for hauntings and things and you'll see cops look over at me <laughs> and they kind of roll their eyes really and then everybody kind of goes about their own way and you know a couple of days three weeks maybe a year yeah. i'll see that cop again and that cop will come over and Go, right, you know what Uh, One time I was out at this place Mm -hmm. and then they'll tell me their story because everybody's got one.
2: I'm finding that there are more and more law enforcement officers within the paranormal community as investigators than a lot of people would ever imagine.
3: Yeah. We just, we got to keep our head down because uh, imagine if you're going in on a big case uh, and the defense attorney um, decides he's going to go after your credibility. So, you hunt ghosts, (laughs) you know, you're trying to put my client into jail for the rest of their life and you're out running around chasing ghosts. Um, so you have to be very sophisticated about how you, uh, separate, uh, you know, that sort of, uh, activity from, what is true. You know, P- uh, Kevin Randall was char- uh, was, uh, accused of not understanding the difference between investigation and his, uh, his fiction that he writes. And it's like, well, I I don't know Kevin Randall, but I've read most of what he's got. I think he's got a really good grasp on the difference.
2: Yes, he does. In fact, Kevin has his own show here on this network. Yeah. And I have the pleasure of working with him every week. Uh, so, uh, you know, a lot of respect for that guy.
3: Yeah. I like him a lot.
2: And, um, so I have to ask you this question at this point, because I've got about four minutes left before you and I have to say so long. Uh, are you a true believer or a skeptic?
3: Okay. Um, so I believe that this is something that uh, they throw the word skeptic around. I say they, people, uh, throw the word skeptic around like it's a bad thing. Oh, well, he's a skeptic. You know, uh, uh, talking about ghosts, yeah, he's a skeptic, he doesn't believe that. There is a continuum from true believer to cynic. True believer way on the far left side, cynic on the far right side. And the skeptic is floating around someplace in the middle. And he's he's gathering testimony, he's gathering evidence, he's gathering circumstances. And he's determining whether or not he believes or doesn't believe. So I think skepticism is absolutely crucial in any paranormal investigation because you have to rule out the normal before you get to the paranormal you can't just jump straight to the paranormal so i didn't i didn't answer your question
2: well you did okay <laughs> no. that was pretty good uh, in your opinion what is the hardest part when investigating the paranormal compared to a crime scene
3: uh the hardest part is gathering any substantial evidence you get, you got testimony all day long you have tons of stories you can you can look on uh, old uh, websites, you can look on old newspapers, you can pull up all of this legendary information, but having real uh, facts, real real um, tangible evidence, mm-hmm. or even some really good circumstantial evidence is very, very difficult. A lot of times it's just, yeah, there's a lady in white, you know, and she creeps along the creek over there. Uh, And maybe she's uh, looking for her kids or something, you know, maybe their kids drowned, you know, but you don't have any newspaper report of that. You have to look at it. So that's that's the hardest part is, you know, can you create that bridge of circumstance and evidence uh, to support or deny uh, whatever this haunting is, this legend?
2: Why do you think if there is a cover up that the governments of the world are suppressing the truth? about the existence of ufos from another dimension or another universe or another
3: planet so why do i think that they would be doing that yes i think it's uh, out of protection we have a huge uh, religious population that can't uh, delineate the difference between uh, having a god and also having aliens couldn't they be uh, one and the same? They're not exclusive of one another. Yeah, could, I was just have, at, you know,
2: could they be one and the same?
3: Yeah, they, they yeah. could be. I mean, it's amazing. Some of the uh, some of the stories and some of the legends just kind of go right along with space travel yeah. and, and the description of what uh, a spaceship might look like mm-hmm. to a person uh, 2,000 years ago that yeah. had no idea what technology was. So they just, they, they you know, they, they throw that thing out there. Um, you know, uh, let's say you, you, she looked back and turned into a pillar of salt. Right. And everybody takes it as fact. All right. She turned into an actual pillar of salt. No. Uh, if you're, if you live in Alaska, she looked back and froze Mm -hmm. in fear. Um, well, guess what? You don't freeze in the desert, but there are pillars of salt that sometimes look like people. And so that falls into that sort of communication where people are trying to uh, um, identify with, with uh, the story and, and what would make sense. So a lot of times we get things confused as far as that goes. So they're not exclusive to one another, I don't believe.
2: Greg, uh, the time has come when you and I must say so long for now. First of all, I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to join us tonight, and we'd love to have you back to further continue this conversation. But let our listeners know how they can find out more about you and where they can buy your books.
3: All right. Thanks a lot, Rob. I appreciate it. Uh, You can go to my website, theparanormaldetective.com or com, And uh, my books are all on Amazon. It's probably the easiest way to do it. You can get it off my website if you like. And uh, I appreciate the time.
2: It's our pleasure, sir. Take care of yourself and be safe out there. You too, sir. Bye-bye now. Exo Nation, Greg Lawson was our guest. And once again, his website is theparanormaldetective.com. I'll be back on the other side of this news break at six and a half minutes past the top of the hour as the Exone continues with yours truly, Rob McConnell from our broadcast center and studios in Crystal Beach, Ontario, Canada. Don't forget about my greatest find on the internet, a super, super radio station. If you like classic rock and roll, if you like classic talk, Here's the address. You ready? Classic1220.ca. That's a Classic 1220 CFAJAM in St. Catharines, Ontario, Canada. Superstation. Give it a listen. <laughs>